We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, guys. What's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor. Send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right. Enjoy this podcast. and appreciate your support. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. And we've had about 24 hours to sit on the news of Magic Johnson stepping down. And we're going to get right into it. Darius, what's your reaction where does your mind go I, I can't believe this is what we're having a conversation about this week I thought it was <laughs> I was surprised that's an understatement right <laughs> I was like eating dinner you you know starting or actually starting to get ready to eat dinner I looked at my phone and I started to see the tweets basically mostly retweets because I guess I was maybe like eight or 10 minutes behind. Sure. And I was like, wait, let me scroll down. Like, (laughs) let me go in my list of Lakers beat reporters. And then I saw that everyone was basically saying the same thing. And then I looked at Audrey, my wife, and I told her, Mm -hmm. I have to write. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I sat down and basically just started to digest what was happening online And then started to get into my thoughts. I tweeted something pithy, like Magic Johnson, like, still always coming with the no-look pass. (laughs) It was just super surprising, and it was something that I thought really came out of nowhere. 
But then one of the first things I thought was, huh, in a way, this is classic Magic Johnson. And I say that because, and I wrote this in the piece that's up at Forum Blue and Gold, just in my sort of initial reaction is, if you remember way back in 1981, Magic Johnson walked into the postgame locker room. The media was all there for media availability. And he basically came out of nowhere and asked for a trade. Yeah. And it, it, and this sort of felt very much like that to me. I was not alive then, right? But just in rereading all of that historical stuff, it really just came off as this guy had something sort of brewing in him for a while and something that he was contemplating for a while and something threw him over the edge where he just said, you know what, like, I'm done. And he seemed I don't know, man. much better about it. I'm not sure, though. Like, maybe you see it as more impulsive than that. Yeah, that that's what I was going to say is that it struck me as very impulsive, especially he's either being duplicitous because he met with Jeannie the day before and LeBron and Rich Paul a couple of days before, or it was something that was nagging on him and he, you know, he did it off the cuff. And I, I think that's pretty much what it was. And that follows a pattern. Bill Simmons was talking about how, you know, Magic's left ESPN a couple of times that way. Um like you, what you said about the trade rumor about him coming back in '96, which was wonderful when he when he came back, but that was out of the blue. Him, you know, just leaving certain places, whether it was him as a coach or the when he did the Magic Hour, talk yeah, the show, late night show. There's yes. there's kind of a pattern of how things fall apart when they do fall apart for Magic Johnson, who's somebody who's had a great deal of success in his career, sort of quick to cut bait. Right. And quick, like when it doesn't feel right. It's funny. He was talking about how he is looking forward to being Magic Johnson again. And he was kind of led into that by Ramona Shelburne. She asked, you know, that specifically, do you feel like you can't be Magic anymore? And he agreed and he expounded upon that idea a bit. To me, though, it's a little, it's not as like, oh, I can't, you know, go on Twitter. You know, come yeah, on, man. Like, he all, got mocked the, for that. All that stuff. Yeah, he got mocked for that. And, and, but. And, and rightfully so. And, dude, the scene was wild. I got to Staples Center about five minutes after he started his impromptu press conference. And I walked into the media room, which is this big room with a lot of TVs on the wall. Everybody, you know, eats there. There's a bunch of round tables where, you know, you sit yeah. and eat dinner yes, and yes, whatnot. Yes. And, and it's, it's playing on the TV. And I'm looking and it says, Magic Johnson has stepped down. And I'm like, and I just involuntarily in the middle of everybody go whoa and i i go running over to the room and it's jam-packed as you could imagine and it was wild man and he just went on for like for about 40 minutes at the podium but he was there for another good hour hour and 15 minutes after that it was about two hours in total walking through the tunnels talking to rachel nichols and chris haynes both of those in one-on-ones talking to the reporter the beat reporters and all that and just like it was just a wild scene and Referring to him not being able to be Magic Johnson, it struck me, and this is, I have a very cynical point of view on Magic Johnson that has been really growing in me, and I, I kept telling myself, well, wait till after the offseason, if, you know, maybe he's a he's a genius, and he has this all on lock, and that's why, you know, he has the attitude that he has, but having happened what has happened, I feel like he couldn't be 
Magic Johnson and what that means is that he couldn't just charm his way to success. And he actually had to, you know, work and be told no from time to time. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's somebody who's experienced a lot of success and has been able to get by on his charm in a lot of ways. And well, I think he's I leveraged think he, that, right? Like, I, I wouldn't say yeah, that he's he like, like gotten yes. bought, like, good, point, I, good yeah, point. I wouldn't Thank use that as pejoratively, right? Like, like everyone has their strengths. And I think what you're talk, talking about really is that in this world, in the basketball operations yes. world, that does not work, right? Like, like he can walk into a Fortune 500 company, right, as Magic Johnson and charm them in a way that basically lures them in in order to then offer up ideas that are good ideas, right? He is not going to go to Danny Ainge or Dell Demps, or <laughs> or Sam Presti, or R.C. Buford, and charm them in, right? Like, yeah. these guys are basketball professionals just as Magic Johnson is a basketball professional. He Like, in this world, that does not work in the same way. It, it, it is not the same in, right? He will always have a stature, but... His stature actually works better in free agency pitches or sure. or or in relating to a younger generation of players. Like you you were at the media availability today for the exit interviews and Lonzo Ball spoke some about like he was asked directly about what was it like, right. you know, Magic Johnson and sort of having him in your life. And Lonzo said specifically, like, I think he's the greatest point guard ever. It was great having film sessions with him. Like, like there was, he was able to sort of leverage being Magic Johnson in those situations more than I think what was, which was the, more than what was actually applicable to his job description as president of basketball operations. And that job description was too extended. This was not the role for Magic Johnson. That is a significant talent. The ability to charm the pants off of people is something that they really could have gotten a lot out of, but he wanted power that comes along with that. Ideally, it's a situation like in a lot of his other businesses where he's the guy that goes to the golf tournament with the potential investors, right? And shoots around at golf with them and laughs and he has a beer with them and makes them feel like a million dollars. Magic Johnson makes people feel like a million bucks. When he turns it on, he makes you feel like you're amazing and that Magic Johnson actually gives a crap about me. And he's well aware of that. And that's not something that comes along very often. Not a lot of people have that. I've said this before that he is the most charismatic person I've met in this experience of covering the Lakers. And it's not even particularly close. In all of those other ventures, he had people running the operations and getting the job done and doing the work. And a big part of the story of this, and uh, you know, I can't, I can't remember who who tweeted it or put it in an article, but you know, there's been you know stories of Polinka being like, "Hey, where's Magic?" as to point out Magic Johnson's absence. And that's something I've always heard over the course of my time covering the team is that Magic's here. Like I, I was told that once a week is quote unquote generous, hmm. and this is a job, man. Like your RC Buford's, your Sam Presti's, all those guys that you listed 
are in the office. They're doing their job. They're traveling with the team on the road from time to time. And they're putting the time in that he didn't. Well, I would say this too. Like, this is their only job, right? So Magic Johnson's a minority owner of the Dodgers, right? He has all these other business ventures that are successful that he, if not, is in the weeds with, right? Because he's not. He is at least being made aware consistently of like progress towards goals or where they're at on certain things. Like there are things to check back on, right? And this is not just professional basketball. It is the highest level of professional basketball in well, in the world, and this is the highest level of professional basketball in the world in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. not only in Los Angeles, but with the Los Angeles Lakers, right? There is no right. more high-profile job in this specific business than the one that Magic Johnson held. And in order to be the best at that, that's probably going to need to be your main thing, right? There is no room for like side projects with this type Bro, of Bro, he was getting paid like $10 million a year to do this. To come in maybe once a week? Come on, man. Yeah. Look, man, like, so you had said something. You had responded to me because I think I had said something on on Twitter about the Lakers being still like well-positioned. Even like mm-hmm. I, I think I said the Lakers look like and really are a mess, right? But they have LeBron James for three more seasons, two plus an option year. They have mm-hmm. a lottery pick in the upcoming yep. draft. They have room mm-hmm. for a max salary slot in terms of cap mm-hmm. space, and they have several young players still who have great upside as young players. Yes. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of teams in this league that would that would happily trade for the Lakers' problems, right? Very much Even so. Even if they have a mess. And you responded to me with something quite interesting. <laughs> Basically that if you could just snap your fingers and make one move for the Lakers right this second, that this would have been the move. So yep. I think all the people who follow both of us on Twitter which are probably the same hundred people who uh-huh. download this podcast. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <laughs> right. I think they'd like to know, Sora, sort of, for, for you to expound upon that idea a little bit more. Happily. So my concern was that Magic Johnson was not cut out for this job, but he was going to be in it semi-permanently. He is somebody who is closer to Jeannie Buss than her brothers are, at least by all accounts. As someone who, you know, grew up in their 20s, just as Ginny was during the Showtime era and, you know, the connection to Dr. Buss, Magic became like a son to Dr. Buss and, you know, he wanted... Dr. Buss had had big dreams about what Magic could do later in life and as a businessman and possibly with the Lakers later on and... I I just kept going to myself is if magic is in way over his head and there were a lot of signs of that man like LeBron was a great cologne for this organization and this organization's failings which were demonstrated aside from LeBron over the course of this offseason LeBron was a great cologne it was like yeah yeah but we got LeBron these guys are young one one year deals who gives a crap right but if the mounting evidence that magic wasn't cut out for this was true my question was always dude then what? 
like, would Ginny Buzz fire Magic Johnson? If so, how long would it take? How bad would it have to get? Who else would have to fall? How much time would we lose? How much collateral how damage? damage would be traded? How much collateral damage overall would be done until it got to the point where even Genie Bus would have to say, gosh, I just got to let magic go. And there are like, I think of the Bulls. I mean, it's not a one-on-one analogy, but like they've had that, you know, Gar Foreman Paxson combo that's been pretty bad over the yeah. course of a, a long stretch. Yeah. And along with Jerry Reinsdorf that, and, and like, if you're a Bulls fan, man, like there's no end in sight to the same guys messing it up. Look at the Wizards, right? Like, they just fired yeah, Ernie Grunfeld yeah. after 16 seasons. Finally. 16 seasons, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes, think of what the Wizards have been over the, yes. those 16 seasons. Never won 50 games, never been to a conference finals, right? Like, several moves that were just, like, inexplicable. Yes. Like, n- n- not just that they went poor poorly, but inexplicable. And Yes. And he got 16 years. And so I yes. so I see where you're coming from with that. So was that your main concern that basically he could just be this this fixture, this this Elgin Baylor with the Clippers type yes, figure? Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And because anybody else, like I've got my concerns about Polinka. I would like Polinka to go two in this. It's sounding at least by the reporting today that that's not the case, and he may even be increasing the level of power that he has in the organization. And I'm not comfortable with that. But I don't think that anybody else is semi-permanent, right? In that, like, if Palinka is, let's say, in a hypothetical, I hope it doesn't go like this, but says, say Palinka ends up being, like, the man in charge of this, and he screws up over the next couple of years, they're going to let him go. Like, it, the connection is not that close to the primary decision maker, Jeannie Buss, whereas Magic, like, it, I was so afraid of like an off season where we trade like Lonzo and Josh Hart for Mike Conley, right. Or something like that, where we end up with as a better team in the short term, but kind of capped out as this second round ish playoff team that doesn't really, you know, have a chance at a title. And you've traded away some guys who are going to be hitting their prime. We're watching what D'Angelo's doing. We're watching what Julius Randle did this year. And they've got brighter days to come, both as 24 and 23-year-olds, I believe. Like, those guys don't hit their prime for another two, three years, right? The They could be doing that in Laker uniforms. And what's done is done. But, God, I don't want to be saying that about Brandon. I don't want to be saying that about Lonzo or about Kuz. So I was afraid Magic was going to do something like that. And that doesn't mean we can't screw this up in new and more interesting ways, right? But there is a certain amount of bravado in Magic and lack of putting the time in. And, you know, he fits perfectly. He's the absolute archetype of the former player who doesn't know how to either coach or be an executive. We've seen that time and time again in NBA history, those type of guys failing. And in my opinion, the reason that they fail is that they think that they know everything that there is to know about the game, but their ideas on what works in the NBA, which worked very well for them, are 30 years old, and the game is always progressing and changing. We're going to look back on games in 2019, you know, knock on wood, we're all around in 2049 and be like, God, you believe basketball used to look like that? That's crazy, right? That is part of what's so beautiful about basketball. And their ideas are formulated in that. Also, they 
they're good, man. They're validated. They're famous. They have accomplished so much in their careers that I don't think those type of people generally have the type of hunger necessary to be great at this type of gig. There are some people like Jerry West is a friggin' nut. And I mean that in the most endearing of ways where he was an absolute, you know, ball of nerve. He cared. It comes down to like talented people caring and being able to adapt. And that describes so few of former great players because part of the reason why they're great is that they're arrogant and that they believe well, that they are the best. So go ahead. No, I'm, I'm rambling on and on, but no, I'm just, so, that's what I meant by that tweet. I, and I'm so relieved. No, one of the angles with that too, that, that you're describing is that one of the things that I've always found about great players, and this is true about like really smart people as well. Like have you ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? There's this scene where him and his girlfriend and she's asking him if he has a photographic memory, right? Because he's just so smart. Mm-hmm. Like he picks up her right. like O chemistry book or something like that and is able to basically just pick it up and do all just do it all. Like here's the answers. Yeah. And she's like, "Do you have a faux photographic memory?" And he said, "I don't know, like I just remember." Right. And and when I think about great players and not all great players are like this. And so this is like an oversimplification and a generalization. But great players are just uh, so many great players are just great. They have this innate ability They're, they're touched by something. They yes. have this innate ability to just be better than someone else. Like you've seen LeBron do this, too, in like postgame press conferences where he has this amazing recall. Right. And he's able to sort of tell you frame by frame what happened mm-hmm. in, in a game, not just sort of do play by play, but he could tell you probably like which foot was forward on a defender when he drove right. in a certain direction and where every other single player on the court moved. I bet he could tell you that stuff on an individual right. play from a game that happened like a year ago. You know what I mean? Right. And and it's because yeah. he has this thing in him that allows him to be able to do that. And great players oftentimes have something special like that in them. And there is no way to translate that to other people, right? Like if if if, if I was super great at basketball and I could just tell you like, oh yeah, well just do this. And then, and I'm explaining this to you and you're like, just do what? <laughs> right? Like what? Right. Like just <laughs> right. drive by the you guy? Can't do that thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just get by him and then dunk? Oh. Yeah. Why yeah. didn't I think yeah. of that before? Sure, I'll get right on that. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah, so exactly. I think that some of that with Magic too, Magic especially, the type of player that Magic Johnson was, the guy with eyes in the back of his head, the guy who could see a play developing literally like not just a frame ahead or two frame frames ahead, but damn near like five or six frames ahead, right? Right. How do you how do you translate the way that you see the game to other people or how do you apply that to player evaluation or to all of these other things that are going to matter within the context of your job as head of basketball ops or even as a coach? Two two areas where he's been, you know, bad at basically. Or got out of the game very quickly because it didn't add up for him. Darius, what kind of players did we sign this offseason? Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, in the big picture, ones who weren't very good. 
right. <laughs> Bad ones, right? Okay, I, I will. Uh, I, I will dunk my own alley oop. They're guys who reminded him of him. Shot creators, ball handlers. He wanted to create a team of Magic Johnsons. Now, in no place in Magic Johnson's mind does he think that Lance Stevenson is a mini or newer version of him, right? But he wanted those types of guys, like, ah, the shooters, we don't need... And by the way, I don't know if you heard during that, you know, that... Post that uh where that press conference where he stepped down where he was talking about oh you know all the shooters signed long term deals and like it, uh, all of a sudden the story has changed from last summer of oh we have shooting and you don't out Golden State Golden State to oh they signed long term deals which is not true but it's you know. <laughs> I'm so annoyed by him. Honestly, what I think it is, man, what you're talking about with the innate ability, I think applies to this job in what we were talking about earlier with his charms. I think that he's used to like certain things working and that when they didn't work, when he couldn't charm and, you know, or whatever the hell he was trying to do at the trade deadline for Anthony Davis or with free agents or with other, you know, transactions where he couldn't just get by on that. I think honestly, man, it's simple when it got hard, he quit. And I think that's ultimately what it came down to on this is it got hard and he, and he quit. I see that. I also see a side too, where I want to take some of what he said at face value. You know what? Let's get to that after a quick break. Let's, uh, uh, pay some bills, talk about ethos life insurance. And we'll, we'll get back to that after the break. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meeting with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have the peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, GetEthos.com. So you're saying that some of this may have resonated with you, or at least you're willing to take it at face value. What are some of the things that that did that? So I'm not willing to just basically say that everything that he said during the press conference was like this up front. Or that he was putting on an act in a way, right? That like really the tough got going, like the the whatever the saying is, right? Like yeah. <laughs> when the going gets yes, tough, the tough get going. Yes, yeah. and I got you. And so I do think that he saw a long term vision of like this is this is going to be harder than I thought, or mm-hmm. or some of the things I thought would work didn't. And I'm not exactly sure maybe how things are going to go next. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? Nah, I'm good, right? To steal my own line. I also think, though, that look, man, like Magic Johnson is basically an HIV survivor. He is someone who, what, 25 or 30 years ago, basically going on 30 years, years ago, dealt with something where no one ever thought he would actually be at the point that he is now. And I am willing to give him some benefit of the doubt that in instances like this, 
where he is not enjoying himself, that the job that he thought was his dream job after living it for 18 months is not his dream job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And him understanding maybe better than most of us that life is not guaranteed, that things can shift on you in literally a heartbeat. And this isn't what I want anymore. Yeah. Right. That, that, and, and we can make fun of him for the like, Oh, like I can't tweet or I can't be magic Johnson. But in the end, while those can be like mocked and made fun of and and those are funny lines that we can you you know like meme yeah. on Twitter, right? That in the end he had a really great life going for him. And his like if if I'm putting myself in his shoes and I'm mad like like Magic Johnson, I had everything I would have wanted in life, right? And yeah. And there was this thing out there that I thought was a thing I really wanted. I got a taste of that and I'm like, you know what? That's really not for me. So why why play out the string? Why, why front and try to basically push through when you, better than anyone else, have an understanding that maybe none of that is worth it? Why can't I just live my life? And the life that I want, the life that I had before. And on a certain level, I can identify with that. I can, and and I can respect that. That doesn't mean yeah. that I'm, that I'm happy with how he handled it or with the job that he did to that point. Just looking at it through that narrow lens, if I'm trying to put myself in Magic Johnson's shoes, I can see that side. And is that, am I giving him too much leeway there? Or is that like unreasonable? No, man, I think you're hitting it right on the head with that. And that's part of why he's not hungry either, right? He had a good life. Like he's Magic freaking Johnson. He's going to be all right. Either way, like whatever happens, he's going to go back to a very happy and carefree type of life. I think he hit it on the head that he got a taste of it. It wasn't every, I also don't think that he got to just do whatever he wanted, which I, I suspect he thought that would be the case. Like he said that eventually, you know, Jeannie gave him permission to fire Luke, but it wasn't just like he could do whatever he wanted. There's, you know, reports that he wanted to fire Palenka as well and was told no on that. He actually had to like, you know, play the game a little bit. And I think that probably took him by surprise. And just like, yeah, this is a hard job. And there's some really talented people. There are 30 of those jobs in the world. And if you're talking something on the level of the Lakers president of basketball operations, I mean, you're generous if you're saying three to five jobs like that. So it's hard and people want the job and people, you're a target when you have it. And the whole like way they went about their business too, you know, I think to the Jimmy Kimmel interview about Paul George and him winking and just being so forthright and not not forthright. So, so out there with his intentions of like, we're going to, we're going to steal your girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, how do you think people feel about that? And what do you think their opinion is about you when you're doing that? Now, like if you're going to be that way, you, you better have some game so that you can steal the girl. And I think, 
I don't think Magic had as much game as, as he thought that he did. I like one of the things I thought within this was like, would he really do this if he knew like Kawhi or Kyrie or someone like that was in the bag? Like to me, it's somewhat evidence that that's not the case. Yeah, I think that he understood going into this summer that it was going to be an uphill battle. One of the things I thought about too was that Magic Johnson gave his own little Jim Bus speech. If well, if like if you recall, the timeline, the timeline, right now, Jim Bus gave that to his siblings, right in like a sort of family meeting. Magic Johnson gave that right up to ESPN and a bunch <laughs> of cameras rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think. If you want to take that perspective of he may have doubts about what was going to happen with this summer, his timeline was rapidly approaching, right? He he basically gave himself two summers or three summers in order to turn this thing around. And, mm-hmm. okay, he had one summer and he drafted Lonzo Ball. He had a second summer and he got LeBron James. This is summer number three. If this summer doesn't go well and they then have to build a team, like build a team and not just punt to next year, the summer of 2020, then he's basically up up against it. And he's probably looking at the same exact scenario, but with people calling for his head, right? There were already now. There may have been fan uproar or fan uproar and unrest on well, well on the fringes. And you and I are Lakers people. We have those tor- sorts of voices in our Twitter mentions sure. and in the comments of videos, right? And and of our websites, sort 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 of saying it's time to get rid of this guy, and they never should have hired him. And and we have conversations with people. Like that on, if not on a daily basis, then more times than we'd like in a given week. That said, that was going to turn from, you know, like internet people to respected people in the span of 12 months. And I I think a better way of putting that as I respect our various internet people who listen to this show well um, i'm saying like i think like i'm busting your balls yeah yeah but but you know what i mean i'm, though, I'm right? saying people people that magic johnson knows yes like it was gonna start coming from people that magic johnson knew and he didn't want it man I, I don't know man i'm upset with him like i'm happy that he's gone but i thought how he did it was super weak this is the other thing too and and this is going to lead into another thing I wanted to ask you. And, and so just give me a second here as as I build this up. Because if Magic Johnson sees Jeannie Buss as a sister and sees her as one of his sort of closest compatriots that he has in this world. So like family and someone who you've invested in on a personal and on a business level, Right. And you care about the future of the franchise, then isn't sort of saying this isn't for me? These are the reasons why. Understanding that she's going to respect that, right? 
And even if she tries to convince you, you will be firm enough to get your point across, right? That then you can then build an exit strategy and sort of offer the brain dump of all of the things and all of the reasons behind why you would why you hold the opinions that you hold about the status of the organization in order to basically be that sort of information piece for the person who is who really is the top decision maker right so if magic johnson has has reservations about luke will will luke walton feel free to give them at that point he has reservations about rob palinka right feel free to give them at that point and and then you set genie up in a better way to make the best decision imaginable for the organization and the franchise which you love the way that magic did it though was he and maybe he can still have those well those conversations but the way that he did it at least from an outsider's perspective is he just skated on everything on all of those responsibilities and and now you've left genie bus to huddle with rob palinka yeah to yeah, to decide the fate of the organization Right. And yeah. left them in such yes. a position where it's now like exit interview day and we have no word on direction from anyone. Now, I think it's totally OK for like neither Jeannie nor Rob to sort of get up in front of the cameras today to talk and answer legitimate questions that the media is going to have. I'm fine with that because I think that they that that. They're on their standing eight count right now. You know what I mean? Like they just they they just took one on the chin and right. and and then to tell them to get up at the five count and then touch gloves and go back out there and like now take a beating from the media, basically about like what happened and what are you going to do next? And like there's a lot that comes with that, and I think that they deserve you know twenty four hours or so. To sort of pull things together and sort things out. But he put them in that position to now have to fend for themselves in a way that I don't think was the right approach at all. And and that is sort of where my biggest disappointment in him lies within the context of all that he's done from an outsider's perspective, again, with the Lakers at this point. Look, I could forgive a summer of Lance Steve, like a season of Lance Stevenson oh, yeah, and Rajon Rondo like, and, and all of that, happen, right? right? Like everyone's yes, executive yes. record is up and down, up and down, up and down. Yes. And, and, and over the long haul, you want more hits than misses. This front office had their share of hits. We're not going to just erase those. Right. But to come to this point that they are now and basically say, okay, this is all bad. I'm out. Go do it yourselves. That is a bad spot. And so, what I wanted to ask you is moving forward now, do you think that they're in a position that actually, that Genie Bus is in a position to do the things that 
need to be done or do you think that she's been weakened in in a way where like worst case scenarios are more likely than best case scenarios and if so what is your worst case scenario with this so i do think that they're in a relatively good position right for all of the reasons you mentioned lebron and cap space and you know young guys who can either be part of the team or used in you know in a, a trade package along with a lottery pick and LA, right? Who there? This is there have been a lot of reports like you know everybody would be interested in this job under you know the, the right set of circumstances for that person. For that person, my concern is that Jeannie, who has pretty remarkably escaped a lot of criticism over the course of some presiding over the worst years in Lakers history, I'm concerned if Jeannie is equipped to be able to do this. If she is the person for this job. You know, we talked about Magic not being the person for that job. I'm worried if she's the person for this. And who is her counsel, right? You're talking about her and Linda Rambis, who's her best friend. And even before Magic was fired, was a top three or four most powerful person in the Lakers organization. That's wild, man. That's And, and that's because Jeannie's circle is as tight as it is. This is the problem. And I actually want to do a full podcast on Jeannie. But... I think that her approach toward things of I'm not, you know, I'm not a basketball person. I take care of the other stuff. I hire basketball people to run the show and I try and stay out of their way. Now, for one, that hasn't entirely been true. You know, Magic intimated that Palinka was not his guy and, you know, she gave some pushback on Luke. I think that those are well within an owner's rights and those things happen all of the time. But you can't also say that, like, I know nothing about basketball. Therefore, I'm going to keep my hands off of off of this when you are in fact interjecting yourself either to provide some sort of protection for Luke or prevent Palenka from getting fired by magic. You know, those two ideas don't exactly jive, but if you've spent your life distancing yourself from the actual basketball portion of it, that makes you an easy person to be lied to. I'm looking for a better word than than cluelessness. Uh, I think that's more pejorative than I want to be. It's just the word that comes a certain to my like mind. naivete. I hope everyone's... Yeah, there you go, naivete. If you're naive and you have power, think of that combination. That's when the predators circle because that power can be got at. Right? You're not going to get Genie Bus's position. You're not going to be the owner of the Lakers. But I feel like there have been a lot of people who seek out power who have really gravitated toward this as a result of Jeannie's naivete plus her power. And I'm talking Magic Johnson, Rob Polinka, and even a Rich Paul. And those type of people have been dueling and battling in, for those power plays and lying to Jeannie along the way because they are fighting for that. And because she's like, how is she going to know better if she doesn't know certain things? Now, I think she's trying to improve on that and there's you know been reports of her you know investing resources in finding out what's been going on but i'm concerned to get back to your question that she's equipped to capitalize upon what this opportunity is for all of the reasons that were stated earlier like rob palinka's in her inner circle right like i don't think rob palinka should be employed by the organization much less being a guiding hand and so you know, her people right now are, this is who Ramona Shelburne listed, are Tim Harris, who's been with the Lakers for forever. He's the chief operating officer, and he handles more of the business side of things. Uh, Jeannie, 
Linda Rambis, and Rob Palenka. Well, who's the basketball person out of Jeannie, Linda Rambis, Tim Harris, and Rob Palenka? Palenka is the closest thing to that. When you're looking for the president of basketball operations, who's going to be one of the strongest voices in the room on who that is? So all of that concerns me. And to answer your question about worst case scenario, to me, it's Palenka consolidating a lot of power and then bringing in somebody to be in effect underneath Palenka and Palenka being the person who kind of pulls the strings. I'm glad that magic's gone. I think however this happens, that's one less negative influence on the basketball side of things that I think is positive for this team. But my worst case scenario, which I think is a very plausible one, is that Palenka takes the reins. How about you? No, that's about where I stand to in terms of the worst case scenario is like, look, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast today. Um, He didn't want to spend a lot of time on the Lakers because, quote, unquote, he's effing tired of talking about the Lakers this season. (laughs) And, and, you know. He's soft, baby. We do this every week. Try living in this, right? I can relate um, (laughs) on a certain level. But but him and Bontemps, right? So his... His guest on the low post was Tim Bontemps, and and you know Tim Bontemps wrote before the season that the Lakers weren't going to make make the playoffs. He didn't really take a victory lap when they were eliminated. A lot of people though did stand up and and, and praise him after the fact for those early season or preseason takes, and and that's fine. But both Zach and Bontemps agreed that the Lakers' job is one of, if not the best job in the league, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That there should be plenty of people, qualified people, who would want this job, and that Jeannie Buss should be making every phone call to every team that employs one of the top basketball people in, well, in the league and asking for permission to speak to these people, right? So, you know, he, they should, he, he, they basically said they should be calling the Spurs to ask about R.C. Buford. They should be calling the Raptors to talk to Masai Ujiri. And they should be calling Golden, Golden State Myers, to yeah. talk to Bob Myers. And Zach actually said on on his podcast that 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 he's heard for years rumors, right? So the he's not reporting this and I'm not reporting this either. Right. This is like now third hand. So, but that he, that he said on his podcast that he'd heard for years that if there was one job that would get Bob Myers to leave golden state, it would be the Lakers job. You know, Bob Myers went, went to UCLA. Everyone loves to live in Los Angeles. Like he has some roots in this area. And so, would that be a possibility? Who knows? I think your question, though, about whether or not she is going to be willing to make those phone calls in the face of of uh, of Rob Palinka potentially looking to consolidate power within the organization, that's a tricky thing. Now, we've seen Jeannie stand up before and seize power. We sat here, yes. right? In the wake of her giving the axe to her brother and Mitch Kupchak, who was a longtime Lakers employee, right? And she'd seen 
and she and she'd seen her father give longtime Lakers employees the axe as well. You remember when Ronnie Lester got the axe? Right. All right? of that in 2011, right. all those guys. All yeah. of those guys during the lockout who basically got their walking papers. They just fired Marco Nunez today, who'd been with the team a decade. Yes. Right? So it's not like it's not like we've never seen Jeannie Buss stand up for herself and for what she thought was best for the organization and take it all back. Right? Like, this is my baby to steer. My father gave me the power. And I'm going to use it in the way that I see fit. And she's done that before. I'm very interested in seeing if she has people in her circle or if she's willing to go to people outside of her circle who are respected in this That's world. That's it, man. And, and seek consult in these areas, yeah. right? Not necessarily... Look, I don't mind her turning to Kobe Bryant. I don't mind her going back to Magic Johnson and looking to have sore, sore, sort of a heart-to-heart. I don't even necessarily mind her going back to Phil Jackson and having conversations, right? These are all well-seasoned basketball people who have been in and around the league for decades. It's not like their opinions are worthless, right? I would also, though, love for her to make phone calls to, you you know, other sort of like old, maybe old world owners who still exist in, will, will in the league or, or even tap newer owners, right? Who have had success and basically pick the brains of her peers. By all accounts, she is very well respected around the league. I wouldn't mind her reaching out to Adam Silver, Right. Absolutely. And and basically saying not necessarily like, how do I fix this mess? But I would love to pick your brain on a few things. You get a multitude of of wise perspectives from different people in different portions of the basketball world. And then her job is to synthesize all of that and make a good decision going forward. Right. And but and see, just seek out more information because. One of her Achilles heels or her Achilles heel is that her genie has a love of people. So when you were talking about sort of injecting herself into basketball decisions, I almost see that if I were in in her shoes, I might see that as her yeah. looking out for people. For, a, for Luke. The person who's in a, I think you're probably right on. Rather than her sort sort of like, oh, well, no, like, like he deserves a chance because of like the injuries or this, this, that, and the other. Like, I'm sure that those are factors in that, but the driving force behind that is the people. It's the same reason why she'll say that this is like, I don't unfollow the players that like, I don't unfollow them on Twitter or Instagram when we trade them. Right. Like, or I cry when these guys leave you know what i mean like she is a person who sees the good in people and wants the best for for people and i think that her leadership style is one where she thinks and believes that fostering that environment is going to get the best out out of people right and so she she also wants Darius. she also wants what's best for the lakers and sometimes those things can be in conflict 
And I think that's one of the big problems that she's running into in doing this is that she wants what's best for people. And she, and you know, I've, I've heard plenty of story, like Jeannie bus is a really well-liked person behind the scenes. And that is not true of a lot of people in the, you know, leadership of the Lakers, uh, either coming, going or staying, but Jeannie bus, people really think highly of her as a human being. And I, I know for a fact that she wants what's best for the Lakers better than anything else. But sometimes that means like firing Luke Walton, right? Which is, you know, we've discussed that. That isn't necessarily my point that that is what will, you know, we know that there are bigger problems than Luke. It's one of those deals, I think, where he's not necessarily the biggest part of the problem, but he's not really part of the solution either. But the point being that like someone she cares about a lot might not be the right person for the job and is actually acting, working against, even unintentionally, uh, working against the Lakers. And she has to make a decision based off of that. And I think that's something she struggles with. Yeah, so I think that when, I think that that sort of creates that family environment, right? Which then makes it harder, I think, to sort of go outside of that circle and say, you know what, like, this is what's actually best. And in and in the way, I think that she could maybe take some cues from her second year point guard, right? Mm-hmm. Who who is who is going through these personal issues and has decided like, look, I'm gonna step outside the family right now and I'm gonna make some and I'm gonna seek some outside counsel and I'm gonna make some decisions that are going to be best for this situation for me. And and when I say that from Jeannie's perspective now, it's not just for me, for her, but for the Lakers organization. And looking at this with this clear-eyed perspective is the most needed part of this right now. Because I love the fact that she is so invested in the Lakers as family. I think that that's an attractive environment for a for a lot of people who are going to work there including the players and everything else. I also think though that taking a step back from that and understanding that we also need to operate this business in a way that's going to that's that's going to best position us to be competitive as a sports organization and as a multi-billion dollar enterprise that those two things will sometimes be in conflict and understanding when they are and then how to maneuver is maybe her most important job as the governor of the Lakers and the steward of the Lakers franchise. And and just to reiterate the point, I think that that's going that's that's going to need a certain type of informed perspective that isn't going to come just by listening to the people who are already in the room. You made a point about how Zach Lowe and Tim Bontemps were talking about the attractiveness of the Lakers job and how the Lakers should be reaching out to your Masayo Jerry's and your Bob Myers and RC Buford's guys like that. If I were those guys, the first question that I would be asking, or at least the most important one would be what's going on with Palenka? What's the deal 
with that? How does he fit in? Do I have to keep him if I'm going to be the president of basketball operations? That is something that it, it, it seems as though Palinka and Magic were put together by Genie as opposed to Magic selecting Palinka. So I, I have the theory that the Lakers have a Palinka problem, and we're going to talk about that in the next episode. Um, but in the meantime, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Give me a chance to think. It takes me a little while to get wound up. I know it does take you a while to think. Rebound to Vladi. Nice rebound to Vladi. Oh, magic ahead and go to fake. Goes under and scores. We're passing ovations. Listen to the crowd. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right in my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? <laughs>